This is the So Worth It podcast, a place where we're talking about growing a business while raising a family, not to mention all of the crazy, fun, and hard stuff that comes with it. I'm sure I don't have to tell you, none of it's easy, but it is so worth it. If that sounds like your sort of thing, stick around. I'm your host, Jackie Ellis. Welcome to the show. Hey there, welcome back to So Worth It. Today's episode, oh my goodness, where do I even begin? Let me take you back a couple months before we get, dig into the, the goodies, the lessons learned here. So way back in August of 2022, my husband and I noticed that in our kitchen, there was a circle on the ceiling and it was kind of like the ceiling was had a little bubble, kind of. Not not big, not super noticeable, but noticeable enough. And so my husband touched it. <laughs> I'm glad he did because I don't know if I would have. Um, it just looked like wet paint, you know? And he touched it and it was soft. And he said, this is not a good sign. So he can't just leave. He can't just let something be. And thank goodness he didn't, but he cut into it a little bit and noticed it was wet. And that meant that something in our master bathroom was leaking through the floor, through the ceiling into my kitchen, which is almost, is a little off center from my island, which also has my stove. So luckily it's not like right above my stove. So long story short, we stopped using the bathroom, our master bathroom immediately called to report, uh, the water to our insurance. And we're very, very lucky. Here's, here's a major life lesson. Check your insurance policy to see if it covers water damage because ours actually has a clause that if you don't report it within seven days, they will not cover it. So luckily we reported it immediately. So now our entire bathroom. So it turns out that it was the shower pan. We have like a, I don't really know how to describe it. It's like a walk-in shower with no door or anything, you know, like an open walk-in shower that's tiled everywhere. <laughs> I don't even know. It has like a half wall on one side and then it's like tiled behind it and the wall is, t the half wall is tiled. And then it like the tile wraps around behind the toilet and the floor is tiled. Like there's so much tile. So we have to get all of it replaced. Now, luckily, nothing else, you know, is, is damaged. My, my um, vanity and sinks, we can use all that. The toilet is fine. It's just we can't use the shower, which is like my favorite part of my house is my walk-in shower. But anyway, how does this pertain? I bet you could see this coming, actually. I bet you can see the connection between my shower situation and what not to do when it comes to client proposals. If you can't see it yet, let me connect the dots. <laughs> we contacted several contractors, like general contractors, to do this work for us. Our insurance is going to cover it. We know how much approximately it's going to cost. And we have had struggles with not one, not two, but three people that have come out to propose, you know, give us a proposal for the work. 
So let me tell you about it. And let's use this as an opportunity to learn what not to do. So contractor one comes out. Actually, contractor one and two were pretty much the same situation. Okay. And since then, I've actually had more contractors come out. But anyway, contractor one and two come out. They look. One of them doesn't take any measurements, doesn't take any pictures, doesn't take any notes. We never hear from him again. The second one, and and I don't even know if he promised to send us a proposal, to be honest with you. The second one comes out, says he's going to send a proposal, and never does. The third one comes out, and very nice, very friendly, um, very chit-chatty, which worried me a little bit. (laughs) When people are, when you're paying them by the hour... (laughs) And they're very chit-chatty, right? But very nice. Came out and sent a proposal that led to craziness. (laughs) Let's just say. Um, This contractor shall not be named, obviously. But let me tell you how many lessons that I have learned from this situation. Oh my gosh. So I'm not going to tell you all of the ways that they went wrong. I think I can hint around that a little bit because I don't want to totally like blast them. The gentleman that came to our house was, was very nice, but the office that managed the proposals, which was different from the contractor, they actually had like an office, you know, probably people that do that all day, write up the proposals, right? Not such a good situation. Okay. So let me tell you the things that were wrong. Number one, the proposal was not very transparent. Okay. Now, general contractors are a little bit different than other sort of service providers because when you're you're fixing damage, there's not really a way to know how much that's going to cost, right? So they really have to kind of anticipate some numbers. So there's a little leeway, I suppose, that they might have to include in their proposal, like in what they're projecting the cost to be. So you might be paying more then you necessarily need to. They also have to make a profit. But I can tell you when you're dealing with with insurance in particular, insurance wants to see those numbers and they need to be pretty transparent. They need to be pretty clear. This is the cost per unit. For example, this is the cost for tile. This is how much tile you need. This is the total cost. This is how long it will take to install the tile like how many hours, this is the hourly wage, this is the labor cost, right? This seems like common sense to me. And if there's any general contractors listening and laughing that this is not how you do it, I will tell you, if you did it like this, customers would be way happier, (laughs) okay? But for insurance purposes, this is how our contractor needed to do it. However, we had to go through, you know, several changes, like, of what we were going to do because of things that decisions that we made that we changed decisions that they made different about how they wanted to do things and things that insurance would and would not approve. Right. So we had several different proposals come to us and the costs of goods was different every time. I'm not talking about just the thing that we had changed, but everything, everything like labor rates changed from proposal to proposal. The cost of the tile changed from proposal to proposal, even though it was the same tile. This is jinky. Okay. I did not like this at all as a business owner. And I don't think that they knew that 
I too am a business owner. As a business owner who writes proposals to clients, I try to make things as clear as possible. This is what you're getting. This is the amount of time that it's going to take. This is what you can expect. Like people, people spend a lot of money. Business owners spend a lot of money to pay someone to run their ads, to pay someone to write their copy, to whatever, to do all of the services that we provide to clients, right? We're not inexpensive. And contractors aren't inexpensive either. They need to make a profit. And I totally get that. But we have to think as business owners, what does this feel like to the client? You can't say that an hourly, you know, you can't say that an hourly labor wage is this one day and this the next day. You can't say that the cost of goods is this one day, this the next day. It needs to be clear. It needs to add up. Here's another thing. And this, you know, my English teacher, I don't know if you know this. I always wanted to be an English teacher, like always, since I was little. I just love language arts, creative writing. Literature actually wasn't my, my thing. But I loved writing and I loved grammar. Oh my gosh. Get me one of those t-shirts that says, I am silently correcting your grammar. Totally true 100% of the time. So if you send me a proposal and it has typos in it, I'm not sure that I can take you very seriously. Do you get what I'm saying? The other thing is if you send me a proposal with a breakout of the things and the costs and at the bottom it does not total up to be the correct amount, I don't know how seriously I can take that proposal. Okay. This is like just being a little bit detail oriented. And this is not how I felt at all with this specific company, but it led to a great story to share. I wish I could give you all of the details and all of the examples and some really good reminders and lessons learned, right? Here's the biggest one. I'm saving the biggest one for last. The biggest one is this. I had a feeling in my gut very early on. Yes, maybe it was the typos. <laughs> maybe it was just the lack of transparency. I had a gut feeling that this was not going to be a good experience if we signed on with this company. I lost trust based on proposal to proposal, the changes that were being made. I had a, a lack of trust just from numbers not even totaling up. They also would not come forward with the hourly wage. They weren't transparent about that and then tried fudging some numbers. And, and so I just did not trust this company. And my husband and I talked about it several times. And I think that there is a kind of feeling of guilt when you get so far into the process that, oh gosh, it's like hard to pull out, right? It's hard to change your mind. You feel like you're letting someone down or something, but I did. <laughs> I, we decided not to move forward with this company. And the, the biggest lesson that I want to share for you is I've learned this lesson many times in my own business where I've had clients coming to me and they're just kind of high maintenance from the beginning or wanted things that we didn't quite do, but I was kind of willing to, you know, work around it or make it work or something. But in my gut, 
I just thought, I don't think this is the right fit. And I signed them anyway. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure that in this example with my contractor and my bathroom, they probably had the same gut feeling that we had. And yet nobody did anything about that. I think this is the biggest mistake that you can make as a service provider. And it's probably not because of what you think, right? It is because if you choose to work with clients who are not your ideal clients, you will probably never satisfy them. Now, the funny thing about this is that in this example, I am the client, right? And I I had that gut feeling in the beginning. And because I had that gut feeling in the beginning, I probably, it's true, I probably would always have been second guessing their work. Are they doing what they said that they would do? Are they, you know, are they trustworthy? Are they, am I satisfied with their work? I would always be wondering. And therefore, they would feel like I'm always questioning. And I probably would never be satisfied. And that's really not my personality not to ever be satisfied. Like when I work with someone that does a really great job, I want to share it with everyone. And I'm actually a great referrer. I will shout from the rooftops when I have found something that I love. I'll tell everyone. But in this case, when you start off on the wrong foot, you're probably never going to get me to the place where I'm shouting from the rooftops that I love your service. It might be the opposite that I'm shouting from the rooftops, don't work with this person. Kind of like I am here on this podcast, but I won't, I won't name them. So do you see how choosing to work with a not great fit client can actually sabotage your business? You might think right now that, oh, I just need this project because work is slow or we need some extra revenue. And it might be so painful not to say yes to that project. But I can tell you from experience that it is never, almost never, no, probably never, never worth it. The extra stress that a not right fit client gives you, makes for you, the possibility of having a client that's never satisfied, that leaves you a negative review or shares negative things about you or your business just because they weren't the right fit. Maybe you did everything that you could for that client. Maybe you did it all right, but it just, you knew from the get-go that in your gut, that was not the right client for you. There's still a possibility that they're just not going to be satisfied. But here's the thing. When you wait for the right client and you have a kick-ass proposal because you know how to do it right and you don't have any typos and your stuff adds up and... You're not wish-washy, wishy-washy, wish-washy, whatever. (laughs) You're none of those things. And you do a good job from the get-go. You're going to attract the right client. You're going to sign the right client. And not only will that client be satisfied, but they will tell their friends. They will become your biggest supporter, advocate, referrer, whatever. And I think that's something really hard to remember especially if you're just starting your business and you're just wanting to find clients and you'll take on any client, be picky. Okay. It's like dating. Don't just date anyone. Be picky, stick to your guns and 
only choose to work with the clients that you know are a great fit. So I guess the lesson here is kind of on both of us, right? The contractor and my husband and I, they probably should have said from the get-go that this was not going to be a right fit project for them because that's really what it turned out to be in the end. In the end, they didn't want to do an insurance project. And so they were trying to, I don't know, I don't even know what they were trying to do. They were trying to make it work financially for, for themselves by fudging some numbers. And that's, that's not the way that I do things. So they should have said from the get-go, this is not a great fit. And we really should have spoken up sooner when we felt that. But luckily, we spoke up in enough time that they will not be in my house fixing my bathroom. So let my lessons become your lessons without you having to actually learn them yourself. (laughs) All right. I'd love to hear if anyone else out there has had a weird experience with a contractor or even with proposals or clients. So make sure that you find me on Instagram. You can find me at I am Jackie Ellis. Shoot me a message. Let me know that you listen to this episode and tell me your funny story or not so funny story about your contractor situation. And then go back to the podcast and make sure that you leave a review. If you love this episode or any other episode, let us know. It helps us get seen and share the message with even more people. So until next time, thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. As always, you can find show notes, links, and more over at Jackie-Ellis.com. And if we haven't connected yet, make sure you come find me on Instagram at I am Jackie Ellis and shoot me a DM. Let me know what episode you listened to and what you thought. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for being brave, being amazing, and just being you. I can't wait until next time.